Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. One day in the pub, Seb and Verity were socializing with hilarity. They knew there and then that their options were vast. They bought some equipment and made a podcast. What do you think you are doing, you twits? It's cliched and obvious, you know. Seb Philpott. And my name is Verity Simmons and this is Three in a Bar. Yes, it is. <laughs> it's a podcast all about musicians. We chat to a different one each week and this week we're chatted to someone very exciting and she um, is exciting. I, I'm talking as if I don't remember who it is but I definitely <laughs> do. It is of course Irish but London-based clarinetist <laughs> Jessie Grimes. Hooray! Jessie, she's great. She's You say clarinetist, but she does it all, doesn't she? Yeah, she really does. She balances a busy schedule performing as a soloist, chamber musician, an orchestral player, as well as a teacher, presenter and workshop leader. Wowzers, that's a lot and of stuff. They're not my words. <laughs> the words of Jessie Grimes from her brand new website, jessiegrimes.com. Good one. So she's a member of the Jacan Trio who are very successful. They've won the Royal Overseas League and the St. Martin in the Fields Chamber Music Competitions. Big ones. They are Biggies. big competitions. Yeah, they totally are. She's been Principal Clarinet of the Wexford Festival Opera Orchestra since 2014. Ooh. She teaches at the Royal College of Music Junior Department. She's presented live on BBC Television and she's presented on Radio 3 as well and leads educational projects for the Ulster Orchestra, Symphonia Viva, Wigmore Learning and all sorts of others. She has so much to say and we had such a great chat with her that we've actually had to separate this episode into two, you lucky people. Yes. It's double whammy week, isn't it? Yeah, that's right. So we're going to have part one today and part two tomorrow. That's right. Just to keep you abreast of the situation. <laughs> if you're listening in the future, it will just roll into the next episode. You probably won't even no, notice. Seamless. But, um, but we're going to do part <laughs> yeah. one now. And we went to chat at Jessie in a lovely flat in, um, where is it? It's right by my house, mm. near Sydney. Lovely leafy Sydney. Um, Mayor Park, that kind of area. A big thing that, that she's been in doing over the summer is her online show, Jessie's Homemade Garden Jam, mm. which she filmed and presented and everything in her garden. You were in one, Seb, weren't you? I was in one, yeah. yeah. 
Yeah. Very you, good. I love it. You can it. check them all out on, on Facebook. So we, we went to the, the source. We went to her, <laughs> not, we didn't go to a garden. It was a bit cold, but we sat in a lounge and we had a lovely chat. Yes. Um, so here we go. This is part one of our chat with Jesse Grimes. <laughs> came up recently in the conversation because we had a chat with you guys and you were like mm, some days we don't brush our teeth at all like now look, oh, no, look no. i always brush my teeth <laughs> for actually for a lot of my life i only did it in the mornings um but i do it every night as well and sometimes three times a day because floss. sometimes if there's food in there daily flosser do you mm. oh i should get into that because i've got a dubious wisdom tooth at the back that oh. catches food Oh, I got mine removed and then there's a bit of a gap there for the food as well. Oh. I did that, mm. that Invisalign thing, you know, the braces. Oh, yeah. A couple of years ago. And that meant suddenly everything changed because you have to clean your teeth every time you've taken them in and out to eat. Yeah. eat. So like I got so much better at scrubbing my face. You got Invisalign, what are they, braces? Oh my God, it's the best thing ever. When I was about seven, I get emails from students, parents all the time being like, Jemima's going to have braces soon. Is this going to interfere with a clarinet? Like everybody just should do it when they're a kid. Because I, yeah. I said, because I was a massive nerd, I was just like, no, I don't want to do it because, you know, <laughs> it might affect my clarinet. It was like a big goals of playing the Pink Panther and and I didn't do it. And both of my siblings did. And I hated my teeth for years and years and years. And then I did it. It cost a couple of grand, though. And they are very neat and tidy now, yeah. I say, yeah. with my fangs. <laughs> I had a student start laughing when I was demonstrating something to her the other day. And I was like, well, there's loads of things she could have yeah. been laughing about. And she went... <laughs> Your front teeth are set back far, aren't they? I went, no, I've got fangs, actually. <laughs> She's like, you might want to get a brace for that. Oh, oh so fangs. That's really rude. So rude. I got called a vampire in a workshop once and I was like, that is it. Oh. <laughs> I am spending my savings on braces. Um, did it affect your playing, though? No, and that? actually it was deadly for playing bass clarinet because I don't like the vibrations when I'm playing really low oh. a lot. So I often in like rehearsal be like pop them in and play oh yeah it actually worked quite nicely oh nice yeah because i'm well i think my teeth are going bad and because uh, i i've got a bit of an underbite which mm. is a very sexy thing to have if uh, a strong content <laughs> <as> yeah. <well. laughs> yes yes it is and but you brass guys are weird because you're like if i move my teeth it's going to change my oh, shape yeah. and yeah. everything and i thought that but actually the the braces thing this is not a sponsored ad by the way mm. um <laughs> I thought because it changes so incrementally over weeks and weeks and weeks, you sort of adjust anyway. And I didn't notice any difference. Like my okay. teeth are quite a different shape now. And I reckon my embouchure is probably different as well. But because it changed so slowly over like nearly two years, mm. it was fine. Okay. Well, basically, because of this underbite thing, the, the, all the front four teeth on the top and bottom, they're kind of ground down. You can't really see. It's right. like I'm, I'm doing an outline with my finger now. It's like goes down and then up a bit and then down and then it's almost like that it's mm. like you've got the outer shell and then in the middle it's like kind of gone in a bit like a, a u-shape at the bottom right um and they start to get really sensitive and hurt a lot and that that's like where all that air goes through when you play the trumpet oh. so uh i've still got quite a lot of life left in, in my <laughs> life so yeah. I'm, I'm hoping i can carry on playing the trumpet and that the, the teeth won't just keep grinding down and then you a night guard or something yeah but you can get the bottoms only done so you can have a a a thingy what i can't remember what they call it a brace thing for the bottom only i think i need like like tips put on the end like the top bit or the bottom bit you know the tipex like like if i could paint on some enamel (laughs) 
Well, listen, my father-in-law, who is an avid three in a bar listener, is a dentist, -dentist. (gasps) ex-dentist. So, you know, if you want to, Malcolm, hello, if you'd like to send in some advice, that would be brilliant. Yeah, I would really be interested. I reckon the advice would be go go to your dentist. Yeah. Yeah. I think it would be just tip exit. Yeah, tip exit on. Fine. Blue tack. (laughs) Actually, Sugru, I smashed um, the, if you can see, I've got a piano in the background and the, the, like, music stand part of it. Um. I was moving out to do one of the things in the garden and I broke it. But th- I've glued it on with the Sugru stuff. I don't know. It's like mm-hmm. um, blue tack that like goes permanent. Oh, Amazing. God, that sounds brilliant. You could put some Sugru on your teeth as well. Oh, yeah. Like polyfiller. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's it, no, it's it's literally like blue tack that you can mold. It's really mm. good for fixing like um, cables and stuff. Yeah. Mm. But it goes sort of semi solid and it doesn't move then. Mm. Hey. Okay. I hate to go off topic, um, but you were just talking about your garden. Oh, and good garden segue. events. Did nice. you like it? Very good. Oh, I know I'm really late to this party, but I've just started watching them back. Uh, the garden, homemade garden jams, isn't it? Mm-hmm. They are so brilliant. I genuinely <laughs> love it. I wish I'd come to them earlier and seen it at the low points of lockdown because you're fantastic Thank at hosting so these much. things and it's a joyous thing. Can you tell us a bit about them? Well, uh, I've, so I've been, I'm going to do a, a weird backwards um, uh, description. Mm-hmm. I'm now reading back. I'm still doing this thing called The Artist's Way. Um, and one of the things, if anyone's started, has anyone done it here? Seb was telling me about it. Yeah, you, yeah. You, you told me all about it. Um, it's I? like an unblocking your creativity program thing. That's like really old now, but um, a lot of people were doing it in lockdown and I got through to about week nine. And then on week nine, spoiler, you have to read back over. Every morning you do, you write three A4 pages um, of like sort of stream of consciousness, just a brain dump. And mm. now I'm reading back over like May, June oh. and the only thing that's keeping me going through lockdown is the garden and just being oh. there. And but I was also working a lot on like, what what do I want to do? Like, who am I now that I'm not really playing that much? And everything's changed. Everything's shut down. And it was a massive process of going through that to like finally get to to do this thing, which is uh, <laughs> I did seven episodes um, basically in my garden, got my mates to come and play music. And we just messed around. We like eight vegetables that we'd grown and played silly games it's really hard to describe but I felt like I watched all these amazing Wigmore Hall um live concerts and things and they were great but I still find it really hard to engage with a online streamed concert now which I shouldn't be saying because I can see anything keeping going (laughs) but I find them really kind of tricky to watch because I the whole amazingness of going and watching a concert is about um sort of everyone being captive in the same space yeah, yeah. And I think um, when you don't have that and you have the option to just like check your phone or go for a wee, you don't sit through the whole experience of a concert. No. So it's like, I don't really want to just be like, hello, this is my living room. I'm going to do, you know. So anyway, this sort of evolved into what it is. It started actually with um, City of London Symphonia. We're doing these comfortable classical things. Oh, right. They started off like people in their living rooms playing um, stuff and it was all super relaxed. Um, and I do projects with CLS who are now nominated for a um, what, what's it called? PRS? No, not PRS. The new mm-hmm. the Royal, Royal Society, Philharmonic Society, oh. or PS. There we go. Right. Yeah, loads of like uh, yeah. letters. Uh, <laughs> but the fancy awards thing that the big classical music awards. Yeah. They're they're nominated this year for for a project that we do called Sound Young Minds, which is in Bethlehem and Mosley Psychiatric Hospital. Um, and I started working on that project, which is far removed from like me dicking around in my garden. Can I swear? I'm sorry. Yeah, sorry. yeah, yeah, yeah. My parents won't <laughs> listen. They don't know what a podcast is. Um, <laughs> actually, 
Maybe they might figure it out. Um, anyway, so I was kind of had a connection with them through that. And then I work in a school, local school and a pal plays with them. And he was like, I don't really want to just play the bassoon in my living room. I've done one of these already. And it's like, oh, mm. can we do something together? So me and uh, Chris Raleigh and Illid Jones ended up in my garden for sort of social distancing. It was in the middle of like, I don't know, was it April or something? Mm. Proper anxious pandemic vibe. So we're like, let's do it in the garden. And then it rained and we were just like, (laughs) it's also beginning like three wind instruments. It's a bit like the kind of, I don't find the the music particularly thrilling. Sorry, wind trio enthusiasts. Um, So I felt like I wanted to like bring a bit more than just like, here's some e-berk. So we had Chris in the shed and Ill had played music stuck in a courgette plant and stuff and it rained the whole time (laughs) and we were just sort of silly and we had neighbours join in. We had some people came, we hadn't told anybody, but neighbours came around as like a back sort of, used to be an orchard connected to flats on the other side. And people sneak in. I love um, seeing them in the background. Yeah, so They're good. great. So, funny. so it started with that and I thought, oh, that was really fun. And it ended up getting like a lot more views than a, a lot of the other really good things that CLS had put out. And then I went, we went away maybe for a bit or something. I don't know. I had a time to think and I was like, actually, I'm going to do something like this again. And that is the formula to be in the garden and mostly messing around, but play some yeah. good music as well. So it started there. It was a big, I found it really hard to like, come up with the like the the bravery or the balls to put my name on it and be like this is Jesse's homemade garden jam I also felt, had to try and resist being too self-deprecating as well yeah like Jesse's really shit stupid thing in the garden like, <laughs> I should watch. Yeah. Yeah, uh, yeah. you know yeah. it's really hard to do that um so but then yeah I, I don't know who we got the first one was my trio which also yeah. felt safe because we had like you know we've got sort of followers on yeah. Facebook and things um and then it just became I Emma really go my wife really goaded me and was just like I was like I want to just do one a month and sort of yeah. hesitant about it and she was like okay well you should probably do one a week and I messed around I did a couple and then for the week of, for the month of September I was like while the weather is good let's do one a week so it sort of ramped up until what mid October was the last one right Seb's uh Seb bought a, a group of very handsome um <laughs> brass players together for the sixth one and seventh one was my trio again yeah. yeah yeah that was mid-October so it was an amazing sort of journey from like I absolutely feel frozen and don't want to do anything I don't know what to contribute to this new world of yeah like people thinking of new ways to perform to like it almost becoming like, oh, got to do the jam, got to got to do the poster and the social media, you know, and, and becoming it almost felt like a job for a while. And I got pretty mm. burnt out by the end of it, actually. Yeah, it's pretty. Nattering. It's a lot of work, especially week on week. You yeah. Know. yeah. <laughs> no, but I mean, you guys, I'm sure of the same with the podcast that like it, it, it helps to have a structure to yeah. a week and an extra thing to focus on. Yeah. But I found producing one a week and also being the only person like you guys yeah. have each other, I suppose, that like producing, writing, planning performing hosting yeah. and it all being in the in my house as well so having to like clear up afterwards and make sure the garden's yeah, okay and also make the garden look nice so yeah that, like, yeah <laughs> and it really <laughs> does right. yeah. there's, there's so much going on in those in those videos that that um and but i think the main thing is that it's about you and your personality mm. and uh you're just uh, people want to watch you because it's yeah absolutely. obviously you just got a great enthusiastic uh personality i suppose coming from uh, this other side of performing that I have, which is like workshop leading and presenting and things. It's so natural to me to want to like bring people in in a, in a natural and a, a warm way to, to show mm. them the music as opposed to being like, sit up straight, don't cough, 
don't clap where you're not supposed to. That feels really straight jacketed and instead just trying to do it the complete other way around. My sister had described it as like the sort of backstage version or behind the scenes. Yeah. That like and it and I'm also super, super passionate about that really straight jacketing thing that we have as sort of perfectionists and classical music of having to make everything be perfect. All the notes have to be right. You know, we have to do another take because somebody like played a slightly wrong note. Yeah. I'm much more interested in hearing a recording that's like spontaneous and fun that has like a wrong note in it than Absolutely. this sort of polished thing that class- classical music is going in that direction. Like I find that really hard. So I wanted to also put something out in the world that was a bit anti that like I played terribly in a lot of them like and loads of people <laughs> yeah, played loads of wrong notes oh, yeah, yeah. Exactly. it doesn't matter but it doesn't matter that, that's amazing that, yeah. that I don't know how how that happens where you actually you really don't care when, when you're when you're watching it yeah it's like mm. it's, it doesn't matter it's exciting it's fun yeah and yeah. you're sort of battling the elements and like we had one episode with Fiona Kelly who's like an incredible flute player yeah she's back now playing principal with the Swedish Chamber Orchestra for a, a Mm. a half a season or something great but like one of the best flute players in the country and she, her fingers went so cold <laughs> that she could, she couldn't <laughs> play the instrument it's really funny she's like it sounds like she sounds like a beginner <laughs> <laughs> but you know i had to go in and get her a hot water bottle to like warm her hands up but all of that sort of part of it to yeah i don't know i, I felt really strongly about that breaking down that thing yeah, yeah. Um, it's brilliant and it feels like i thought when i was watching the first one uh that it's got that kind of Saturday morning television vibe where, you know, yeah. where you go from one corner and you were doing a bit of potting, in fact, re-potting something or taking out yeah. and then going around, seeing the musicians there and then the people watching. It's just like instantly draws you in and I, I should definitely go back and be watching them all. Yeah, it's I because I, I've been doing little bits of presenting and doing things for radio and some little podcasty things. But I also have always wanted like all the way all the way through lockdown, particularly thinking like what pro- project do I want to do that's me what and this is what ended up sort of yeah. accidentally coming out and happening which is yeah. really fun yeah I, I think it wouldn't work if if you weren't good at your instrument too and you had a real like you're clearly a you know really well-rounded musician and and the people that you get in to, to play as well um because i what i love when when i did our one with the brass is that we only chose the music like literally two days before <laughs> and like so we just like got the music together rehearsed it in this room with all of us in here and then we just we just played it in like the cold and we ran it through a couple of times and um and the, the quality of the playing was never like an issue because we just we knew everyone was going to be good yeah yeah but the, we played a blooming like clarinet amazing um piece with like the gershwin Three oh, that preludes. was great. Yeah, I really like that. Yeah, which is must be really hard, right? <laughs> yeah, it's a bit. Uh, yeah, I felt like I did that to myself as well through all of this, <laughs> yeah. um, because I, also one of those things. Because I'm not like first call for any of these major UK orchestras. It's just not the way I've ended up creating my career. And I'm finally mm. coming to a place of being like, that's not a failure. That's just the way I do all these different things, and that's great. And yeah. I can sort of embrace that now. But one of those things is that there's not much call for like a fourth or a fifth clarinet in like a huge symphony anymore so I'm not going to get booked for a while and that side of things like mm. I do chamber music but that's sort of pre-arranged and they're usually my good friends and that there's not there's not that feeling of the pressure and the buzz of that turning up to a rehearsal and not knowing what the music's going to be and that sort of edge of your seat thing I think I was probably missing that and so ended yeah. up sort of creating it by doing it probably because it was just me running it as well I was so distracted by like I need to get book the players because it was then it ended up being week on week book the players on one day and then get the finalized pictures and make a poster and all this sort of stuff that yeah. I got to about Tuesday I'd be like Shit, what, what music should we play I like, yeah. didn't even 
Yeah. But it meant that like you're sort of cramming and that cramming thing, I think, I don't know, I must get some buzz out of it somewhere. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Did, did you get nervous for any of the shows? No, as it went on, like our one that we did got like 10, 11,000 views. Wow. Yeah. Um, cool. So by the sort of end, I was like, oh, there's actually more than like my mom and dad watching this. Because yeah. <laughs> the first one was like, you know, I knew and there's there became like loyal, lovely friends that like watched every week. Yeah. Um, I've got, I'll show you later. I got cards people sent afterwards oh. and like little oh. presents and things. Um, so I start, started to kind of, um, yeah, want to live up to it a little bit. Particularly, yeah, but by the time we, I hit my stride and the episodes were, I thought were really fun and really good, I then felt a pressure to like want to make them continue to be fun. Like after we did like you wrapping Poddington Peas, <laughs> I didn't know what we we're going to do next week to like try and like <laughs> not up it, but like match it in terms of like. I mean, how do you? Yeah. How do you match that? <laughs> that was totally spontaneous. It was totally well. spontaneous. <laughs> I love that. I feel like you try and like shoehorn in a rap at any given opportunity. Any moment. I'm He's done it. So, I can't even do it. In the first one, we did these, the Hamilton rap with Rodney as well. So what's next? <laughs> yeah, I know. I just, uh, and I'm not very good at it at all. I can't, I've got really bad addiction. I think you're very committed to it though. <laughs> That's what, he's a trier. Yeah. I'm a trier. I do it. I do it. Um, but yeah, so like the presenting side of things, um, I mean, that, that's the sort of thing you, you don't you don't have lessons in that, do you, at any point? You just sort of pick that up as you go along. I mean, is that, I guess, did that have its sort of roots in, in teaching, like doing workshops and stuff like that? I reckon it did. Like, I, I've always sort of put myself in front of a group of people from, uh, from quite young. Like, I was teaching. I, I, I've avidly kept diaries throughout my entire life. And when oh, I go well home, I kind of sometimes dip in or let Emma read a couple and like even at 16 or 17 I was teaching and stuff so I did a degree in music education in Dublin because I was too scared I thought I was too crap at my instrument and didn't know what to do so I, I chose this sort of safe option which was like well if I fought, fell and broke my face my <laughs> hands I could teach it was a really a decision made out of fear I was going through actually a massive mental breakdown mm. um, at the time as well which we can circle back to um, but that decision to do that meant that like from through uni it was this weird degree so I did like sort of a performance degree because you did I had to play like two concertos and recitals and stuff to to graduate but we also each year had to do two different teaching placements in schools I remember one of my first ones I was probably only because I was quite young I was like a young for my year kid so I was probably only 18 going in I was teaching sixth year which is like year 13 kids oh, that's and I got hard. put in super rough wow. schools yeah. and actually she will definitely not listen to this but my old tutor saw one of the garden jams and got in touch to say like I'm super proud of you and like donated Aww. money and stuff which is so cute but she obviously had me pegged early on and thought that I could handle it and I won't really forgive her because the first one <laughs> I, I was I was definitely 18 and when I arrived it was like one of the rougher parts of Dublin there was like a burnt out car in the car park like it was dark times. Oh God! And, and I got I and I was doing all the sort of rookie mistakes, like turning my back to the class to write stuff on the board, and then like there'd be a kid on the floor, yeah. and somebody had a fight. Oh, I, it was awful. Oh, but I think God. that sort of like trying to wrangle a group of seventeen-year-olds when you're eighteen, being like hello, like oh, starting God. there, everything became sort of easier once you've had that sort of baptism I remember coming home and just like sleeping I just would be exhausted I do not know how teachers actually do it oh I mean then usually they have about 10 years on the kids which is like an advantage but that's really hard how did you get them on the side I didn't well Well, sometimes I don't think I did I'm not sure 
Um, I, I worked really hard on like <laughs> trying to be cool, yeah. but like, you know, trying to... <laughs> <laughs> Michelle Pfeiffer in yeah, that film. Yeah. You, just, you just take a chair, you, you turn, it, turn around it around and you sit backwards. On oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Start yeah. rapping. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, I think sometimes I succeeded, sometimes I didn't. I survived, which I think is all you can hope for in that sort of scenario. Yeah. So when I moved here then after I graduated, I was like, I absolutely don't want to teach. That's one thing I was confirmed that I knew after four years of this music education degree mm. um, was like that we started with, I think, I don't really remember now, but probably 14 or 15 students at the beginning. And we graduated with like eight of us. Oh, my it goodness. Was, it was rough. Yeah. Because I also did a history degree in there as well, just for like the laugh. Because <laughs> um, then you could be you could teach music and history. Oh. There's all this sort of fear thing of like, if I'm too crap a musician, at least I can do that. So then I took a year out again, not confident enough to audition, audition for every conservatory in the whole of the UK and got into most of them, except the Royal Academy of Music, not holding oh, a grudge, massively holding a grudge, <laughs> most unpleasant audition experience of my life. Oh, um, they're horrible. Yeah. How was that? I'm not going to name names. They've retired now anyway. Um, but this um, person, non-gendered, um, came up in my face and was like play a chromatic scale first of all they were like these that hadn't specified scales for the audition and i play a chromatic scale as high and as fast as you can what and i I was immediately like uh that's not on the requirements no and they're like you're it's required to be a good musician (laughs) shit like that they were horrible anyway bottled that exam or audition anyway it came here and was like starting Mm. to like I ate like triple decker sandwiches and put on a lot of weight, like trying to just practice all the time. Like, <laughs> fuel. But through, in the middle of that somewhere, I joined Live Music Now, who are this amazing charity and started doing workshops with them. Really bad. Oh, God, they were so bad when I think about them now. <laughs> but I think that's finally kind of clicked into place, the like link for what on earth I was doing for four years, learning to teach. And then suddenly I was in like an SEN school presenting a concert and it felt much Easier and it sort of went on from there and I sort of picked up different bits, ended up really quite early on, like live presenting something for mm. BBC telly with one of those 10 pieces things. That's brilliant. And I got a oh, massive yeah. buzz out of that. I was like, yeah. okay, this is cool. Yeah. Isn't that cool through something you went through for fear yeah. has turned into something where you're putting yourself in these situations that loads of people would just find incredibly fearful and that you come out confidently in that and you've got that foundation there yeah. now to stop that fear. It's a funny one. And I talk about this with my therapist. Everyone should have a, ther- have a therapist, by the way. But that like, <laughs> I absolutely don't have any fear going into like, I do small bits, by no means an established presenter, but small bits for Radio 3. And I'll go into the studio and I'll know that whatever I record will be broadcast to like, I don't know what their listenership is now, half a million, a million people, I don't know. And it doesn't scare me at all. I'm just like, oh, I wonder when I can get home. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. I think just different people have different fear things, don't they? And this is something I just find really, really easy. Like, Mm. I don't know, is it just, I mean, the sort of stereotypical, I'm not going to say racist, but a little bit racist. Like, oh, you've got the gift of the gab. Oh. The Irish oh, thing that I, like middle-aged wealthy men here say to me a lot. Um, oh, that like still that gift now. you have. Yes. Oh, God. Wow. I think it's the like red hair, Maureen O'Hara thing. They they go straight in. They're Just not middle-aged anymore. They're old, yeah. older. Um, yeah. So it's something I find easy anyway. And maybe that thing of trying to keep your thoughts in order, like you're thinking ahead of what's coming and how you're yeah. going to do it and doing something like the garden jam where i'm like playing some gershwin prelude that's really effing hard and i'm like what's next oh yeah we're gonna do the, the tomato juggling and after that, <laughs> i need to segue somehow into <laughs> something else um that's a really fun thing to 
I don't know, keep you kind of on your toes or something. Because once you hit conservatoire, it's like, unless you get a job in an orchestra, you're an absolute failure. Yeah. Oh, right. Yeah, That's yeah. the yeah, narrative definitely. that we all have. Mm-hmm. Um, and like stuff like West End work wasn't even talked about. And yeah. that now I'm looking at, but like, that's also, that's incredible, like an achievement to get into that place. Yeah. You guys both do. Um, but there was such a, yeah, that feeling of like, <clears throat> oh, I think I did 15 auditions over a series of a couple of years. Got nothing out of it. Yeah. And I just, pff, it's kept feeling like failure. Um, but then, and then, so then you're kind of coping like, oh, well, what else am I going to do? Because that's not really happening. Well, maybe I'll try this. And it's just a series of bungles, I think. Yeah. Yeah. But like, I, I feel, I think everybody really feels like that. A hundred percent. I think, I think anyone who's gone through that conservatoire thing. Mm. Yeah. You, you definitely go through periods of feeling like a failure because it's so, it's all aimed down that orchestral mm. um, career. Yeah. kind of idea so um so uh, but then we, I we've talked about this quite a lot this sort of uh, this this sort of subject because it's like is that i mean yeah is it necessary to, to focus on becoming principal of, of the lso or something um just so that it raises everyone's game so that then if you can do that then you could well the argument is oh then you could do anything but mm-hmm. but like if you don't get that job then then it, that's a failure but really, actually, could you go into doing the West End if you if you were good enough to do the LSA? Mm. It's not really the same skill. I think some people really respond well to it and others absolutely do not. I know I didn't, yeah, for example, yeah. exactly that thing. I felt exactly the same as you, Jesse, that I just felt like a failure for years. And then the point when I realised and let myself accept the fact I wasn't going to get a job in an orchestra because I don't audition very well at all, um, I felt liberated. And mm. now I felt like that was a real corner turn. And yeah. Yeah. like, I know you in a fantastic trio as well. And that was that a wonderful thing when you found this kind of niche that you could absolutely throw yourself into and feel confident? Yeah. Yeah. It was, and we were super lucky early on. We like won some stuff. There's actually hilariously, Karis pointed out, like Martin in the Fields Chamber Music Competition. <laughs> oh, wow. Um, we won a couple oh, of competitions yeah. early on that really helped to like, make us feel like yeah actually this is fine but even that like this is a thing I've been thinking about quite a bit recently like that moment so we worked our asses off for that competition and then we won I know and actually it was that one and then there was Royal Overseas League which it is was that massive one. isn't it but both yeah of them. yeah so we worked really hard and then we won this it was overseas and I remember we we're like oh my god this is amazing like having champagne afterwards being like this is so great and the next morning being like does anyone else feel like absolute shit not like we were hung over but Everything that you'd work for is, is there and you've got it. Yeah. And immediately all of us were like, well, I suppose the other people who were in the final were like way younger than us. And maybe we were just in a year of like everyone else is quite weak. So actually we didn't really win that. It was <laughs> oh, like we yeah. it, you immediately reframe yeah. it. Like whatever you get, you're not happy with. I mean, once you've got it, I don't know. We just yeah. bought a car for the first time. But like, Congrats. like you get thank you so much. <laughs> you're like you get a Ferrari and then you're like. Uh, I suppose that's my car now, isn't it? Where am I going to have to park it? <laughs> yeah, and I have yeah, to insure yeah. it. Like you get to that place and suddenly you're like, oh, it's not so, not so important or whatever. But I yeah. think it took us ages to get to a place where we were like, actually, it's not about the competitions. And now we're trying to, I mean, it's just, just it's also being a chamber musician. It's You have to really organize everything yourself and make it all happen yourself. And that can be a bit demoralizing. Like if one person's not well and there's mm. only two of you left and blah, 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 blah. Um, but now we're finally like, let's just do what we want. And it's, uh, it's gotten probably to like, we did this time last year, we were in New Zealand, actually from overseas league a couple of years later, they gave us a tour, which is amazing. And that was the first time we'd done, we did, I don't know, it was a 15 or something concerts. I probably, someone, one of the cars okay, be listening, but like wrong. Um, (laughs) But we did a load of concerts like, and, and it, it, 
it's we got into this sort of flow of playing and that that way when you play so much together but with this there's no longer like I want to please someone else or I want to win something or get some audition or it was just oh, let's do something together and let's play Mozart the way we what we want to play Mozart not the way like you're supposed to play it yeah like and be outrageous and a bit raucous and a bit mad because we are and like why would we try and straitjacket into something else and that's like that sort of same thing of like that journey out of conservator or out of into becoming a sort of an artist. But there's still that feeling of like, oh, yeah, but we, you know, won that competition, did that thing. But there's another group that are now won the same competition, same the year that are now like Radio 3, BBC 3. What are they called? Young oh, yeah. artists, awesome. yeah. whatever, whatever, next generation or whatever. Oh, it is. yeah. yeah. Um, so you always there's, I think there's always that thing and finally realizing actually everything's grand and I'm just doing it now and there's no no I know now with what I'm doing no one else actually does what I do in terms of like one day I'll write songs about the environment with kids and the next day I'll be in a psychiatric hospital and the next day I'll be on a stage and like yeah. doing all those things is no longer no longer feels like a failure it feels like oh no. actually this is what I'm supposed to do I think like yeah you get to a point where you you realize that you're doing the thing that only you could do because mm. it's you doing it and you, you do it to the best of your abilities and it's it's you and and like we um i was thinking about like chris augustine was talking mm. about this last week about um how he had lessons with graham lee and he wasn't his sort of ethos wasn't really about learning the trombone or learning the the music it was like learning his own like inner musician and like becoming who he was yeah as a, as a mm. human as well um so so I think yeah if you're playing as a trio and you're just like the three of you are doing it and you're completely relaxed you're doing it and and then you're you're finding you you're playing in a way that no one in the world could play like because yeah. it's just you doing it. So and I think when you're doing that then you then you can't possibly compare yourself to anyone else because mm. how could they play like like mm. Jesse because mm. it's like and I think that's finally where the art is because I think I mm. always thought for a long time like are we just painting by numbers like someone else wrote this and then we play it yeah but that's where the creativity is is when you can finally let go of all of the stuff like we train more than like a surgeon trains to actually yeah. be able to manipulate our instruments enough to finally and then you've still got all these hang-ups that you have to try and get rid of but I think that is where the finally where the art is is like what do I want to do what do I want to say and how do I want to say it and what's important to me? So ne- like now with any concert that I do, I will always present it. Even I had a kind of fight with somebody. <laughs> I won't say who the organisation is, but we we're in St. John Smith Square and they literally were like, do not speak. Oh, really? Yeah. And I was like, well, ladies and gentlemen, <laughs> because like I hate, I just I'm, I'm now quite allergic to that really formal walk yeah. on stage. Yeah. And when you can speak and and make a connection, a human connection and maybe get a giggle or something out of them or make them feel something. Then you feel like you have them on side and yeah. you're together in an experience. And maybe that's I'm thinking like as I'm talking, maybe that's what the Garden Jam also felt like, because it wasn't just hello, I'm Jesse. This is my concert. It was like, welcome to this space. Come in to here yeah. Yeah. and feel what it's like to be in this space, even if you're just watching it on your computer. And join in with me and experience it together because that's where and that links up with like the workshopping or whatever that I do. I think that's where the maybe where my art is, yeah. is in that um, communicating, connecting with people and bringing everyone into the same experience. Because I still think if you're in a in an audience and there's somebody posh up on a stage in a fancy outfit. I mean, that's an experience, but you're not mm. the same. You're you're. 
they're up there I'm yeah. like gesturing up to the ceiling yeah. <laughs> uh, and you're like down sort of a lowly plebby person that's just experiencing it feels almost like unequal I'm yeah. big into the old equality diversity mm-hmm. stuff so maybe that's part of that as well yeah. like breaking down that barrier well those are the the first things I wrote down actually when I was watching the garden jam I wrote down interactive and community because that is the overwhelming sense that you get I love you and Emma chatting in between and like where are you going to now that kind of thing yeah. it's just great and then like when you've got messages coming in from people who are watching it it's so good it just yeah. makes you feel like it, that community so, thing that we all miss so much so it's collaborative it's like the it's like the people watching are the ones sort of almost in charge of the show it's like where's yeah. this gonna go yeah yeah and that's really important. And I'm st- thinking about like I had said, you know, cause there were people who were like, I don't want it to end. Like, oh, lovely yeah. people. And I was like, I will do something in the winter. Don't worry. But oh, like good. I sat on the couch with them last night. I was like, how are we going to make it work? Because especially with all the regulations and stuff, you can't just have like I can't have community in the house. It's mm. technically illegal. So like how you make that feel. Because I think the difference maybe also in having pe- real life people, you got, you had a real life clap, which yeah. creates that energy that you can then work yeah. off. So I'm currently a bit stuck about how we might do something inside and make it, I don't know, not make it good. I have to try and catch myself. I need to set it. <laughs> make it good. Make it the best. <laughs> no, make it feel authentic and fun and mm. real. I don't know. I still don't know the answer to that yet. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass!" So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. I thought we could talk about your very early beginnings of music. How did you get into it? Ooh, uh, I blame dad. My dad is a very musical man who um, grew up uh sort of maybe I, I don't want to say poor because emma's parents will be like oh, yeah right uh-huh. <laughs> um but grew up kind of working class maybe uh and i there was a, not really a, much space i think for sort of music lessons and stuff i think some people had piano lessons and there was chat about pianos around in the house and my granny uh her side of the family from were from uh the south west of ireland um county clare and yeah. dad always talks about his granddad on that side like singing and like he'd have he'd have dad on his knee going dum, da, dum, da, dum, da, dum, da, and then mm-hmm. the granny would come in and da, da, the granddad would stop oh would freeze the granny would be like shut up um so it oh. was sort of a, a sort half permitted and half not or something i don't know so he never really had formal lessons and always 
held a I think sort of held a grudge about like I never got to learn that so like mm. I think he found it really important to get us to, to learn it I still think he's a stubborn stubborn old man um, <laughs> because he could learn it now and he's not like he's in a choir now and he invents this like ridiculous way of notating the music it'd be quicker if he actually just learned to read <laughs> it's a fairly simple system oh, really? actually yeah but to try and remember, remember the tunes yeah like, he writes he just like like i don't know this is my my old university guido alvarezzo was the person who invented the five lines it was a five um fingers oh yeah that's where the music oh, really? yeah that's where the stave comes from oh. that was my year two exam um <laughs> yeah so but dad has basically invented some sort of a guido alvarezzo vibe thing that he's written line he's anyway uh, just ranting about my father now but he he's super musical and like plays the guitar and ukulele and tin whistle and stuff so we always had like sing songs and things at home it's super important to him like I think he's a bit gutted that like as a professional musician I'm like it's Christmas day I do not want to play oh. a clarinet um so but we always had like pots and pans and he'd play like freight train and we'd run around and stuff so that was very present as a as a little person yeah we always had a little to- like toys and different instruments and things and then there was a competition i think dad set up i mean i have explored this in therapy some of it's not the healthiest of like <laughs> who can be the first person to learn a, a, a reel on the whistle we learned irish music first before yeah classical stuff we went to actually went up the road to there's an amazing musician who lives a couple of doors up who is do you know elner mcavoy no um, She's a singer-songwriter um, There was a, a really famous song Called A Woman's Heart Only a woman's heart uh-huh. Anyway Very famous in the 90s <laughs> in Ireland um, And Eleanor McAvoy's sister Big deal Lived um, up the road from us And had a little studio um, In her house So I learnt piano from her But very early on I was like Don't want to do grades And actually these We were talking about it earlier play, <laughs> yeah. it, play it again Chester I wanted to learn jazzy things On the piano And then I, I sort of gave up eventually So I'm trying to reclaim that now mm. Um so did that a bit. It was all sort of low pressure. And then about, it's actually the same, the year after my brother died. Um, my brother was 26, I was 10, and he committed suicide. He had um, manic depression, oh. uh, which was a huge earthquake and a massive shock in, in our house. Yeah. Well, not a shock. He was ill for a long time. Um, and I don't know whether it was like uh, uh, my parents sort of attempt to, I don't know, help us find new direction or new things or whether it was just sort of in their plan anyway. We all sort of enrolled in different music. I remember this music schools like soon after James died. I can imagine I went to a three uh, three room primary school. So for the last three years I was in Mrs. McAvoy's room. So I can picture myself in Mrs. McAvoy's room and being worried about going to these places. So I went to, there's a big organisation in Ireland called Cultus Kiltori Heron, which is like the Irish sort of conservatoire for learning trad music. Mm. So we started to go to Cultus on a Saturday and then I also auditioned for the Academy in Dublin. And I was, I think, ten, so James died when I was 10, but I think it was around then as well. It's all muddled mm. up. You know, when you're a kid, it all sort of merges into yeah. kind of pillar moments that you remember. Um, so I auditioned and I wanted to do the saxophone because of Lisa Simpson. <laughs> Literally my thing. So inspiring. Yeah, yeah very valid. Um, valid. But I was a tiny little kid and I was too small to hold it. So they sort of laughed at me and were like, no, nah, try the clarinet. And they chucked it at me and I was like, oh, fine. I'll do it with Mr. Daly, who was my first teacher, Jim Daly. Um, and I, yeah, I sort of learned it that way, being like, I'll get onto this. I'll get this out of the way. Get onto the saxophone and be a real cool kid. Yeah. Um, and then I never really did. I just stuck with the clarinet then and it sort of led I just kept going um yeah and once we were in the academy I can't I feel so sorry for my parents now the three of us so my sister played viola 
and fiddle for Irish music. So I played Irish flute and whistle and clarinet. My brother played the Illin pipes, which are like Irish version of bagpipes. Wow. So you, wow. you have a bag under one arm and a bellows under the other wow. and you pump yeah. the air in and you play it like it sort of looks like a whistle or an oboe maybe. Yeah. So he played the, the pipes and classical guitar. So we were being ferried on a Saturday. We'd all go to Cultus in the morning and then uh, orchestra in the afternoon and then back to like band, trad band and group in in the evening. And then each of us had lessons on different days, I think, in the midweek. So we would get driven into the academy on like my poor parents. Wow. For this, about 10 years of their life, they were just like driving us to music lessons everywhere. Yeah. It was insane. Oh, that's so nice. Um, yeah, they're amazing. Thank you. Um, <laughs> that rebalances yeah. things out. <laughs> yeah, it does. It does. Um, yeah, and then it sort of, you just, I don't know, it feels a bit like once you're in that environment and I definitely was like, oh, I found, found my thing. This, These are my people. Actually, we went home for Christmas, not Christmas, uh, summer. I mean, what time of year is it anymore? <laughs> yeah. Pandemic time. We went to, and it was the summer and uh, in my old childhood uh room my parents have been like clearing out things and I found this folder which was my year nine uh, that's wrong in Ireland is like transition year you do three years yeah it's all different anyway mm. transition year projects which is after GCSEs kind of and I had like I'm such a, such a dweeb I've been like <laughs> this is my project about a clarinet and I'd taken apart my instrument I got my teacher to like help me like t- take all the keys and stuff off and like took photos of it and put it back together. They gave me a really shit mark, actually. I was like outraged. It's a <laughs> like, disgrace. When I saw it, like, it's not, I don't know what they said. It wasn't, uh, I think they thought it, I, I was probably a bit lazy. I basically took the keys off, took photos and put it in a scrapbook and wrote, like, yeah, yeah. printed <laughs> off in Carta, like the history of the clarinet. And that was my project. But <laughs> oh, yeah. I think that was, I, I was quite proud of it. I think that a Jessie. lot of commitment, yeah, actually. Proper <laughs> nerdy. But anyway. <laughs> doesn't matter i was clearly obsessed by then <laughs> i've let it go it's okay. yeah <laughs> yeah and i definitely i drew a clarinet for my gcse art project and that was like my still life was like a life size so i was clearly like really obsessed and a nerd did you swear a treble cleft badge sorry a treble cleft badge though i you know what i wore that's a good one um <laughs> so as a, a a person of ginger hair um it's very difficult to grow up, even in Ireland, where like the the ideas everybody's got red hair. I was definitely the, the outsider and the weirdo, and that this was like the extension of it. Now it's like this is where my personality comes from, and yeah. I like you know it's part <laughs> yes. of me. But as a kid, I was a big rocker. I wore like Nirvana t-shirts. I had a Nirvana riff in my head earlier, um, <laughs> and and I wore a hat to cover the hair because like if you you can't be a goth with like this color hair, it's ridiculous. <laughs> yeah. Um, so I was really like grungy, grungy kid. Um, I wore oh. my music in in terms of like the other stuff. I didn't wear any. I didn't even let on really that I was a classical or a trad person. It was all yeah. like. Well, that rock. saved you really, didn't it? Did you have a Slipknot hoodie? <laughs> uh, I didn't like Slipknot, so I refused to wear oh. it. Placebo hoodie, Nirvana. Who else? Metallica. I didn't oh. like Slipknot. I found them too shouty. Mm, yeah very very shouty i i really liked it because i i was um i mean i was going up to like junior college on the mm. saturday morning and uh i but i was sort of getting into slipknot and all that. <laughs> i remember by wearing a slipknot hoodie and uh uh had a um i was into yeah just like learning about those bands corn yes <laughs> oh, you need to tipex them onto your school bag yeah and where we, I was talking about this yesterday, I went for a walk in Addington Woods. Anyone oh, been yeah. there? So nice. nice. Yeah. Who knew Croydon had somewhere nice in it? 
I think on one side of it you can do paintball. That's how I know it. Yeah, you can do orienteering. (laughs) There's an amazing view of London. Um, You can see like right from like the Croydon, you know, that sort of rusty red coloured thing you see when you go on out to Gatwick. And that you can see right across. Anyway, tangent. We were talking about yeah. what we would wear because there were teenagers who were like hanging out in the woods, first of all, without their phones. Amazing. Yeah. Secondly, they were like wearing appropriately sensible shoes and jeans and like, but they were wearing cool, I think, trendy clothes. I was like, God, they're so, they're like pr- appropriately dressed for the weather. And I remember if I was that age, I would have had cords, <laughs> like flared cords that would cover <laughs> my shoes. And then all the, even Ireland, like where it just rains yeah. all the time. I would just permanently have soggy <laughs> yeah, up yeah. to my knees, <laughs> you know, grungy. Ugh. Yeah. So I didn't wear travel clefts. I wore all no, the sort lucky. of rock stuff that I was into and then got into the more hippie stuff. I softened with age. <laughs> so by about 17, I was more, I was a huge Joni Mitchell obsessive. I learned all of her um, tunings and stuff on the guitar and all of her songs and things. So I got a bit more that way, like Crosby, Stills, Nash and Young. Mm. The Doors as well. Oh, that was a big one. Oh, yeah. 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 That's, yeah. I remember a really cool girl in primary school who was into The Doors. Yeah. And she, what primary? Yeah, she would have been eight years old. What's wow. her name? I bet you know her first and second She's name. She's called yeah. Amelia. I can't remember. Her oh, that's my favourite thing about primary school is you always like John <laughs> right. Denby. You know, their, yeah. you know their full name. <laughs> I went to school with somebody called Apollo Blaze. Ooh, I always think of his name. Cool. Amazing name, eh? That is a very good name. <laughs> she was a cool girl. She had like a kind of um, Jennifer Aniston haircut, you know, sort of middle parting. Was she yeah. a teacher or a child? <laughs> yeah, she, yeah, she taught that, yeah. No, no, no. no she, was, she was in my class, but yeah, she was like, yeah, my favourite band's The Doors. I'm like, what? no one had heard of The Doors. Like, Who are The Doors? What's a band? 60s band. What is yeah. a band? Um, people, oh, she likes a band called The Window Panes. That's what people used to oh, say. Oh, such an Essex what, what kids. A great joke. <laughs> yeah, totally. <laughs> oh, I can't remember her name, but um, she's not listening, uh, probably. But uh, get in touch. <laughs> we talk about South End. I was just thinking about funny full names that a friend of ours, um, Billy, taught a kid called Keanu Jeeves. <laughs> So great. <laughs> what? Such a great that's name. <laughs> oh my god, that's so good. Yeah. Giving Billy the credit for that. It's... Billy Yates. Yeah, yeah. yeah. That's amazing. amazing. Yeah, Jeeves. Yeah. I hope he had a really good personality. Yeah. <laughs> what a curse. <laughs> wow. That's amazing. Um so so you were doing so was it trad music that, that you sort of were mainly doing at that yeah. kind of age? Yeah, so that the the sort of unhealthy competition was the first person who could learn a jig or a reel on the tin whistle and we would like we got a pound or something. Obviously I was this the eldest, I clearly won. Yeah. 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 Mm. yeah. So that was his sort of way of trying to get us get us into it. Um yeah. So I grew up doing trad like more passionately with that. That was like they were where my my crew was that like the Saturday morning kids and the, we then did like a band, a Kaylee band that you do like Kaylee's too. And then a yeah. group. So you had Kaylee band, which was quite strict. And then group, group of kill, kill is music. So group of kill was like where you'd be a bit more creative. And actually it wasn't us being creative. It was like the leaders <laughs> who are now in my head, probably they were like only 18. So we, we, play, we did more creative stuff. We'd like put tunes together and harmonize them and you'd enter them in these big competitions. Um, and that's where the sort of gang is where I got my first boyfriend, ah. like my best mate, Rady Pete, who's now in a very successful band called Lancome. Oh, yeah. We you were know talking Lancome? with Jude Rogers. Yeah. Oh, were we? That was one of her recommendations. Oh. Yeah. Lancome are amazing. Oh, Proper, cool. like, if you like a good drone. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> really good. Drone. Yeah. yeah. They're like sort of punk uh, 
trad music they're so so great but Rady was like my bestie in in all through so I didn't really have best mates in school as much I, they were sort of secondary friends like you're fine you'll do yeah but like the the kids that I really clicked with were in yeah in trad music and we go away like to what's it called the island Aran, not the Aran Islands Inish ear, tiny little. It's the one mm. that um, Father Ted when it pans over the oh, um, yeah, yeah. the ship at the beginning. That's Inish ear, and we go away on these trips to like. I'm not sure what the point was. <laughs> it was like organized by um, cultists, and we go, and all I know is that we just got really stoned um, <laughs> and just hung out. We'd play tunes. Yeah, you play tunes all through the night in the pub, and then in the day we just get really stoned. <laughs> I remember Ray's parents bringing us and like. The the most fun bit was going in for dinner and like having to pretend to be totally fine <laughs> like, and have hickeys all over my neck and stuff. Like. How old were you at this point? Oh, probably four. four? No, uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> 17 maybe. It was oh. towards the end of school. Yeah. So that was definitely my world. I was really big into it. And we and actually as well, the other thing was uh, after James died, mom and dad bought this gaff in the west of ireland we'd always holidayed my uncle had a place in connemara near galway and we used to go like for a couple of weeks in the summer and then uh when james died i assume they were just like fuck this we need to do something mm. something yeah. else um so they bought this place which is in the most isolated part of the entire world in a girl talk so all irish speaking um place and in, just by the sea and mom was a teacher so we'd go Irish holidays are amazing. It's why a lot of Irish people are teachers because you're finished in June and you don't go back to September. You have like three full oh, months. Wow. Yeah. So mum would finish and pack us all in the car. And so we lived in the west of Ireland for three months of the year. And it was really like for me as an older kid, I, it helped me stay a bit more of a kid because I was I'd go there and I wouldn't see others. and I just play with my siblings. So it helped me not sort of, I don't know, grow up too quickly or something. But the big thing there was um meeting Irish musicians trad musicians there and so uh, like I don't know what day of the week it'd be I've got diaries from this of me being like oh I'm really tired we didn't get in from the pub till three in the morning <laughs> like my brother was only like 10 so 10 12 and 14 um, <laughs> or even younger like he'd be eight or even seven tiny little people in the pub and we just get filled with Lucasaid and dad would get free pints <laughs> and he'd be like playing tunes all through the night but I've got tapes and tapes and tapes of like and then mini discs when they came in they were very handy because yeah. you could record like loads of tunes from these really cool old sort of masters in County Mayo um, so that was a massive part of my life and then it was like I go back to Dublin put my like Slipknot not Slipknot no <laughs> Placebo was my band um, t-shirt on have you seen him now? no oh, look him up the lead guy from Placebo Oh, what's he's uh, now? not doing great. Bless oh, is he not? No. Oh, really? Yeah, Brian. Is that what his name? So Brian or something. Um, he, there's a video of him like doing some sort of singing on stage recently. But he was such an icon, like a gender yeah. gender queer icon. He was yeah. so cool. Yeah, so I was thinking that. Yeah. Hang on. So anyway, come back to Dublin and be the city kid again, and wear my cool rocker clothes and go into the centre town and hang around with other mates yeah yeah so it was like, like a three you had sort of two different well three because then there was the classical kids from the academy oh yeah and i go on orchestra tours and stuff with them so i had that sort of oh. those mates as well and yeah so by the time like my 18th birthday there were three rooms like there was one room with like a massive trad session going and then another room of like a load of nerdy classical musicians and then like some mates from school being like what the fuck is this who <laughs> <laughs> are all these people <laughs> yeah did you find when you see those people together in the same room you would be like 
this is so weird when like when worlds collide i remember we because i was at junior college and then i remember having a party at mine in, in south end and some friends from south end were there as well and i just could not it's the first time i've seen like people from different because it's so different yeah like, in the yeah. same room talking to each other i was like what the hell is going on i just could not <laughs> i don't know it's, 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 a, it's a bit it's a like a thing. wedding isn't it i always yeah, think yeah, that yeah. right How's this going to go? How's yeah. this dynamic? I makes me, <laughs> yeah, I, get I get really quite anxious about it. Yeah, like, me are they too. Get on? Yeah. It's weird. Yeah. Do Actually, you go into overdrive? Because I'd go into yeah. overcompensation mode and start sh- basically shouting in people's really? faces. Yeah. Can, <laughs> can, you, can you believe can it? That, yeah. I'm sure, yeah. <laughs> you guys would love each other. <laughs> yeah. Oh, guess what they do? <laughs> Same as you. Yeah. Then they don't want to speak to each Please other. Please be friends. Yeah. <laughs> no, as the teenagers, it was grand because like the, the trad kids were just off on their own and the classical kids were like, where is there a sheet music so they the classical <laughs> kids kind of look at them and like observe so they didn't really mix that much actually because it was they're two very contrasting yeah, worlds yeah, yeah. it didn't really it didn't get on great um but the I, I remember your your wedding uh two years ago yeah a year and a bit oh year and a bit yeah last time's gone, gone oh. weird well I can't, yeah. can't work out <laughs> but um um yeah I mean it, towards the sort of later part of the evening oh, it, yeah. the uh, a trad's thing emerged in one of the rooms and and oh cool all these whistles and violins and stuff came yeah. out and it was it's so incredible and, and we we get it at our you know the, the Blythe hill tavern is near mm. near us as well and every every thursday night i think they have um the trad trad yeah. music and it's obviously you know obviously it's a huge cultural thing but for me like as a like, i just don't know how you're doing it because i don't know how you how do you know like what the tunes are and when to move and it's so it always just sounds so fast yeah and complicated yeah <laughs> so i'm like how do you know what's going on and you you guys are just drinking in a pub and yeah, well, I, I guess more and more are they like well. songs that you've just you just have grown up with you just know them all but also the I'm structure of the to songs like and the show form. you but i have to climb over oh, a lot of microphones i've got go like on. a i've got like a to- tome of tunes yeah no i'm gonna go and actually yeah, get yeah. Them. Yeah. kill some time lads I'm gonna yeah I'm going to quickly have a couple more Haribo then, and you should so do the good. same. So good. There you go, Ugh. get them down, yeah. You Bet you they're not vegan as well. Yeah, I'll show you now. They're definitely not, I'd say. Oh, no. I don't care. <laughs> <laughs> sweets, sweets and um, booze. I'm right. yeah. I don't mind. No. Well, that's true, because... Um, I can only save the world so much. Yeah. I've had some vegan wines. They're a mixed bag, aren't they? They're you know, not a fan. <laughs> no. You need the old, whatever it is, fish guts. Uh, too right. Yeah, Gross. Yeah. Um, <laughs> right. Trad Music 101. Oh, look. So, look at this. Oh, take a photo of it. It's hard to describe. So, it's one of those big ring binders. Check it out. Jesse and Clara's tunes with a Z. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, so, those, these are, well, books of tunes, but yeah. the, this is the main collection. So, through all of Tin Whistle, um, through all of, you go to a lesson and you'd get. Uh, your teacher would probably give you one tune maybe or two and it's written out like this so so what have we got we've got letters yeah yeah look how old the paper is as well the notes written down as letters yeah so this is on shan van bucht and it looks like to right what (laughs) is your test right what keys uh what time signature is it in this one here yeah i'm picking one that i won't be able to play three in a bar Uh, Oh, nice. Is it? Let me have a go. I actually have I've picked a tune, I'm not sure what it is now. I'm gonna try and play it. Okay, look, I'm gonna try and explain what's going on here. So you've got 
So you've got letters, but then sometimes you've got a dash in between the letters and sometimes you've got a kind of apostrophe. Mm-hmm. So I, I imagine they're, they're important details. Yeah, yeah, right? yeah, yeah. Structural details. Um, <laughs> and then sometimes you have a space. So like you have... Read out the letters oh, there. Okay, so, so this one's called The Miller from Glanmire. Very good, yeah. That, that's just in English. So, yeah, yeah. Um, did, did, um, did, the Irish did, one. did you just read it in English <laughs> just very slowly? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. The Miller. No. Here, actually, the, on, the other, on, on Ross of oh, yeah, okay, Ross over the other side of the page, yes. that'll be easier to figure okay. out. And Ross, sub, how do you say? Vreak. I think it's the flower, Rose and the Heather. Spelled B-H-F-R-A-O-I-C-H. Vreak, yeah, obviously. Vreak. Okay. Um Okay, so it says first. I imagine that's some some sort of structural. Yeah, thing. yeah. Uh, F A F space E F E. Then, then oh, then you've got um, a forward slash. <laughs> then D F A space B A F. That's what you've told so, me so far. Okay, I've already noticed something. I'm gonna. And I've given you an easy one as well. Um, the and then you've got uh, uh, forward slash A B D apostrophe. Oh, that's but but that's next oh, it means you're talking about the octave. Okay, but you've also written in pencil by the A B C D apostrophe, and with the, and then with a sort of slur mark. Yeah, that's that's what we've got here. Thing. Forward slash. Um, Wait, so, 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 so far we have. Oh. Ah. Beautiful. Oh, oh, I don't know. I don't know what the tune is. Uh, F, A, yeah. F. So it says F, that means F sharp. Yeah, yeah, we're in a D whistle, yeah. Okay, right. Uh, then you've got E apostrophe, D apostrophe, E apostrophe. Uh, I'm going to guess. Uh, guess the next one. Yeah. Da, da, da. <laughs> yeah, it's very good. F, D, B. And then F, sorry, A, F, E. Down. No apostrophes. No apostrophes there, no. And then we've got F A F with a, l- a line underneath it. Whoa, Ooh, what did you just do? Hello. That? That's a roll. I need to preface this with, this with this. When I moved to this country, I basically stopped playing trad. I've been like crippled with this. Like when you're in the world of like cultists and that, there's like, there's all this, um, what's the word? Like ways of doing things. Uh, not rituals. I don't know what my word I'm looking mm. for, but like um, etiquette. Actually, that's what it is. Yeah. Of like, ju- if you if you set up a, a session, you kind of you choose the mates that you want to play with, and then if you have some random come in, you're like, who is this? Mm. Um, so it's really quite. Ex- it can be really exclusive. And like, I live what ten minutes from the Blythe. I've not done a session there ever, no. right? Because oh. uh, because I know the uh, what it's like to be on the inside of the circle. And it's really scary to then suddenly be on the outside and like, I don't know what to do. Yeah. yeah. Like the Kelly sisters who I'd like taught Fiona Trad, they're the only ones that I'd feel confident enough to play with because I'm like, I don't know. It's not about, I think I know I'm better, but like they feel safe because they're not going to be all judgy. Yeah. 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 So yeah. it's a real thing. So this is like a world first here that I'm actually going to play. Yeah. With. Should I I'm play really with the sound song? Oh, please. Yes. I don't even, I don't know what this is. part of the tune so it's a jig yeah. two groups of three oh, and a bar cool. line the fourth slash is a bar line and second part is oh I don't know if it's going to peak sorry 
So you learn that. Aww. You have to learn it off by heart. Thank you so Lovely. much. You have to learn, learn it off by heart. And then you come back to your teacher next week and you have to play it to them and then they give you a new tune. Oh. So you learn, but like there's right. hundreds and hundreds of them. And then... But how do you know the rhythms to play there? That's because a triplet. So basically you've got jig, two forms. You know. You've got a jig, which is in 6-8, and then yeah. the reel, which was... Uh, that Miller from Glenmire is a jig as well. Let's find a reel. Right. Uh, the reel would be... There's Toss of Feathers. Ah, oh, it's a famous one. Uh... So this is a good one, right? It's got oh, a beauty. E and then a B with a looks like a pause above it. Yeah. For some reason, handwriting Irish music, a pause sign turns into a, a, a roll, which is. It's like a grace note. Nah. <laughs> yeah. So you learn. I know that because it's a real, I know it's going to be in 4-4. Four, four, so I'm going to figure out that that B is for roll is for three beats. You know what ah. I mean? So it's funny though. So I grew up with this, these two worlds where like most of my teachers couldn't read music and that's the way you'd get given the tune or you'd learn it. Yeah. They'd play it. Oh yeah, yeah. learn it by ear then. Because actually most people would learn some sort of trad instrument at some point, whether they are like a musician or not. They sort of. Yeah, yeah. You do it like, you know. Oh, look at that. Coltus kill Tori Aaron. Oh. Look at this. Fla Ochlea. That's the Dublin Fla, which is a competition yeah. festival. Yeah. Takes place on Friday the 7th. Saturday 8th and Sunday 9th of May 1999 wow. The venue oh. is St Mary's Secondary School St Bride's in Calester The good news is that Cluntar of Cultus That's my branch Is hosting Fla Ochaclea <gasps> What? <laughs> what? So exciting <laughs> Further good news is that Such large numbers of children Are attending our classes We're expecting to have loads Of parental helpers For a jobs <laughs> rota Oh wow <laughs> Everything is going to yeah. plan That's <laughs> mad I didn't oh. know that was there that's like yeah this was like half of my world growing up yeah. This, yeah it's weird that i don't really do it anymore yeah did any part of you uh, that when you got to sort of 18 think you might fancy going the trad route full uh, time uh, i think i don't know was i too much of a practical kid you got paid uh still i think possibly i mean i haven't lived in ireland for 10 years now but 50 quid you'd get for a night of a session right yeah. Instead of like a session yeah. here, which is quite a lot more. Yeah. yeah. Um, so, I, yeah, there was a sort of, I think for me, there was an also an emotional thing that I was going out with a guy who's a very talented guitar player. And then I realized I was gay. Oh. Um, yeah. And first we went on a date and we saw Lost in Translation. Yeah. I really like that film. I love oh. that film. I'm so glad you said that. It's Scarlett Johansson, though. It's not the film. Oh. I mean, the film was good. Yeah. Poor, my poor boyfriend at the time bought me, like, the DVD. I love the film so much. I'm like, yeah. <laughs> love that DVD. Um, so that was it, watching that film. It I think so. But no, but I stayed with him and we were in a really close circle of friends. It was really tough, actually. And then we, we sort of broke up and I went out with a girl in school. But one of those, if any, any gays out here, you're going to recognise the secret relationship that you're not supposed to tell anyone about. That right. sort of fun shame creator. Um, so I was doing that for a while and then mm. ended up going back with Andy Meany. Beautiful man in a very, very good band now with his partner or wife. I don't know, Aoife. I can't remember her second name. Um, check them out. They're very good. Even though what, I haven't told you what her name yeah. is. Oh, I can Google it. Um, uh, She's had some really good, um, like really, really popular songs um, in Ireland. They've done like the Late Late Show. So, you know, they're oh, cool. Uh, uh, so, but I got back with Andy and then we, I, I started uni and by then we, we finally sort of broke up and I was like, oh, definitely a lesbian uh-huh. by now. I tried it again with another guy in uni, but I don't know, right, uh, 
didn't really work out. So, but there was a big that breakup was sort of awkward then because that was it, that was, we were sort of a central not a central couple but one of the couples in that gang. Yeah, yeah. So I oh, sort yeah. of had to walk away a bit. We used to have sessions. This amazing pub that tourists would never be able to find, which is in part of an, like an Irish speaking sort of center, and you'd have to you not knock on the door and you have to say introduce yourself in Irish and then like sign in in Irish. Oh, and it was amazing. all really like wow. uh, it, like it stems from like the 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 rising in 1916, like those clubs mm. to exclude, yeah. or just to create an Irish community. But I stopped going to the corner then because I was like, oh, awkward breakups. Like it was more of a social thing. And then I moved. So I sort of didn't really play since. It feels like it's sort of tangled up in that thing of, oh, I don't really have that gang of friends anymore. Oh, yeah. I'm not really yeah. playing. Yeah. yeah. But it's weird that this is just so part of me. And I reckon like if I get dementia, I'm just putting my whistle down. So rustling. Um, <laughs> I'll still be able to play like a certain number of tunes that I'll remember. But there's yeah, hundreds yeah. and hundreds. I don't know. Do I have you can see I have a piece of paper here from a set that we a gig that we obviously did sometime. So I'll just have like the jig of slurs set and I'll have C-A-A-B-G-G to just remind me how it starts. <laughs> Amazing. And I have to know the rest. But it's weird because I find memorising classical music really hard. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that is bizarre. Yeah. I mean, just different bits of the brain, is it? Just different yeah. parts. I mean, the trad thing is such a strict um, structure that like a jig will have 16 bars, no, eight bars and then you repeat, eight bars and repeat. It's like more like a jazz head than yeah. anything else. So I feel, yeah, I always felt like a Mozart clarinet concerto. I mean, I could just about do that one, <laughs> but like only out of sheer repetition for yeah, yeah. 15 yeah. years. Um, but the structure, I find it really way harder. I like teach at the at the junior college yeah. now. And these kids, I'm like, oh, can you um, can you memorize that sonata for me for next week? I couldn't do that. They do it. They do it. They're amazing. Oh. The students are incredible <sighs> in many ways. Better than me. <laughs> <laughs> That was part one of our chat with Jesse Grimes. It was. What do you think so far, Verity? Well, I'm really enjoying it. I've just got yeah. a lot to say. There's a lot more to come. Um, <laughs> we're going to leave you hanging there, aren't we? I feel like um, you're <laughs> about to say something that's going to rile Jesse up. Oh, me too. Unintentionally, may I add. But yes, I feel like I am. You might not be able to guess it by our light-hearted japes thus far, but just wait tomorrow you'll see you'll see tomorrow <laughs> um it 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 makes jesse uh, exclaim the first real big swear word of the interview yeah uh, so uh so look out for that and uh, proud if you've of got any children present get, cover their ears up um so there we go it's part one and um join us tomorrow or in a couple of seconds for part two and uh, we'll see you there bye bye When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. If you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. 
Use the Stamps.com mobile app to mail everything you need to keep your business running with up to 89% off USPS and UPS. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Use code PROGRAM for a special offer. That's Stamps.com, code PROGRAM.